Good morning, everyone. Kevin here from Skywatcher, and welcome to another episode of the Skywatcher What's Up webcast, where we take a look at everything from what's up in the nighttime sky to equipment to helpful tips and tricks. And of course, at the end of the month, we have a special guest on to talk about their specialty in the field of astronomy. Uh, so it is September. This year, we are blowing through once again. I'm sure all of you are just as ex are excited. I'm sure many of you are just as surprised as I am that we're in September. Um, but it's been a fun year and we've got plenty of stuff already planned. Um, I am going to do things a little bit differently today because I was able to talk to some people um, at some events that I've been at the last couple weeks. Um, and some people were asking for the presentation to be a little bit bigger. So what I'm going to do today, we'll try today. You guys can let me know in the chat if it's something that you like and we'll go with that format. But I'm going to disappear up here in the corner and we're going to go full screen on the presentation. So it'll just be me talking in the background and occasionally I'll probably pop in. But if you like this format, if it's easier for you to see the presentations, um, let us know and we can see how that goes. Um, anyway, so... Uh, if you like what you see here on the What's Up webcast, please go ahead and subscribe, leave a like. Um, you can uh, recommend what's going on uh, for future episodes at info at skywatchusa.com. Uh, Tidly your email, What's Up. Uh, we do appreciate you subscribing, lets us know we're doing a good job, or maybe even leave a like on a video so we know we're doing a good job and we should keep doing it. Um, if you want to stay up to date with what's going on, go ahead and go to skywatchusa.com and up at the top, click subscribe and save. Um, and go ahead and basically let us know what's going on. Um, and if you want to be part of the email blast that lets you know what's happening with sales and events and all kinds of stuff there. But you can go ahead and subscribe to our email list over there. Uh, right up there at the top at skywatchusa.com. A um, couple little announcements really quick while I have everyone's attention. If you want some Skywatcher swag, you can head over to skywatcher.threadless.com, pick up a bunch of cool shirts, um, all kinds of fun swag is up there. We are working on adding some new things, um, but here's some cool things that are up there right now if you want to order that. Um, if you have a Star Adventurer that is on pre-order, uh, Star Adventure GTI, um, we had a very large shipment of them show up this week, and they are starting to make their way out to the pre-order people. So if you've had one on order here in the U.S. and Canada for a while, um, they are on their way. Um, I'm going to switch over to this real quick, just while we're doing the announcement things. Um, so... Uh, the Star Adventure GTI is our second much larger shipment showed up. They are making their way out for, to fill pre-orders. Um, if you're looking for something fun for the holidays, the Star Adventure 2i Pro Packs are coming back into stock. We have a bunch of them, so if you want to order them um, or you're just looking for a small little tracker, uh, the Star Adventure 2i's are back in inventory, and you basically can just get one now. So that's kind of cool to have. Um, and yeah, we are making headway on getting things back into stock, but that's just some inventory stuff that's going on right now. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of just the announcements I have at the moment. So let's get started, um, into what's going on this month and I will go back and disappear. So the rest of you can see the full screen for the PowerPoint. Um, so obviously every month we start with the biggest, brightest object in the nighttime sky. That's going to be the moon. So new moon for the month is September 25th. Um, so that's going to be towards the end of the month. If you happen to be in the Arizona area, um, I and some friends of ours at Star Arizona will be down at the Oracle Dark Sky Festival. Um, let me see if I can find that Oracle. I should have brought this up. Um, earlier, it's something that Explore Scientific has been working with. Um, they have all kinds of details on their website. Um, but yeah, we're going to be at Oracle State Park, or at least I will. Um, there is a Dark Sky Festival that's going on, and that will be that weekend, that the new moon weekend of this month. So if you're in Tucson or whatever, come say hi. Um, 
The Dark Sky weekend for September is going to be the 24th and the 25th, so hopefully you've got some plans for that weekend. Uh, for Full Moon, that's actually just around the corner. That is going to be September 10th. I have an outreach event that night. Well, it's going to be really bright, apparently. I didn't even think that. So, um, But it is the Harvest Moon. So uh, the Harvest Moon is the full moon closest to the fall equinox. Um, sometimes it lands in October. This year it lands in September. But the full moon for September this year is the Harvest Moon, just to get us ready for autumn, um, which is always fun. Uh, so that's what's coming up on September 10th. So the moon is going to start getting a lot brighter. Now it's a really nice time to get out and start looking at it while there's still a very nice crescent as we move into first quarter. But full moon will be September 10th. So that's coming up uh, next weekend. Uh, planets. We finally have some planets up in the nighttime sky again. So if you have your telescope, you know, time to get out and look at them. Um, so right now, just after dusk, and the program I'm using right now is called Stellarium. Stellarium is a free planetarium program that you can download off the internet. And that's actually quite nice. It's easy to work with. You can actually control telescopes like Skywatcher mounts. Once you have it set up correctly, you can actually control a fair bit of stuff on there. Um, and it's got all kinds of cool things that you can activate. But I like using it because it's easily obtainable and it's easy to work with um so really right now just after dusk we have the planet saturn which is sitting high um i was looking at it last night the rings are in a nice position um but now's a really nice time to get out and start looking at saturn i know it just did its close approach so it looks pretty good um really any size telescope is going to do well i would probably try to get to at least 100 magnification or more but the longer the focal length and the bigger the telescope you'll get a, just a bigger detailed image um, with it best sizes are normally that 8 to you know from 6 to 12 inch anything beyond that is just icing on the cake um, so that's about eight o'clock um, in the evening so not far after sunset saturn is easily visible and nicely positioned um, around eight or nine o'clock now around nine nine o'clock you know we've got Jupiter hanging down here um, so Jupiter's starting to come up I was able to look at it last night it's still a little bit low for early in the month but as the month progresses Saturn will be much higher right after sunset Jupiter will also be much higher um, so those are the two major planets that we have right now and then as the month progresses, there's going to be some cool little interactions with the moon. Um, so the moon and Saturn are going to be close approached on the 7th. Um, and the moon and Jupiter will be on the 10th and a little bit on the 11th. Um, but Neptune is also hanging out not far from Jupiter. Here it is right out here is Neptune. So if you're looking for a bit of a challenge of a planet, um, not far from Jupiter is the planet Neptune. So you can do that in like an eight inch telescope. It's kind of a fun little blue ball to, to see out there. So that's something to take a look at. And, um, we do have Mars starting to come into play, but that's not going to be until very early October is when Mars is going to start popping up at a reasonable hour. Um, so if you want to get Mars right now, it's very late in the evening, but we are going to get some of our nice planets back. So we've got Saturn, we've got Jupiter, um, and we'll have Mars by the very end of the month, the 1st of October, will start popping up in there. So some cool stuff starting to come up, but the two key players, Saturn and Jupiter, are visible about 10 o'clock. Both of them are nicely visible about 10 o'clock right now, and as the month progresses, um, there will be a good one as well. Um, and according to Joseph in the chat on September 24th, we'll have, uh, I'm sorry, September 14th, there'll be a close approach of the moon and Uranus, um, with each other as well. Um, yeah, here it is. Uranus is hanging out here. So Uranus is still a little late in the month. Um, we'll start getting it more in a, you know, it's sitting between Jupiter and Mars right now about halfway through. But Uranus is a much easier planet to see in the telescope than Neptune. It looks like a little, you know, pale blue ball. But um, Uranus and Neptune, I think, are very cool to see in a telescope because they are generally overshadowed by the larger naked eye planets. But I still think it's pretty neat to be able to see that far out 
at a whole different planet. So anyway, uh, that's what we've got going on for the planets this month. Saturn's easily visible right after sunset. As the month progresses, Jupiter will be as well. And then as we get really late into the month, moving into October, we'll have Uranus and Mars starting to make a nice um, presence into the earlier evening hours where you don't have to stay up too late. And of course, Neptune is hanging just in front of Jupiter um, as well. So some cool stuff going on um, with the planets. Uh, the sun. Now, the sun is very dynamic. We're actually ranking up into um, maximum as we slowly increase to there. But the sun is ever-changing, very dynamic object. Um, it's fun for sketching. It's fun for imaging because everything changes all the time. Um, and let's see what's going on with the sun right now. Um, so this is, there's a lot of stuff. There's a, some sunspots, there's some active regions. There's very nice filament right now, like this fish hook filament right here. Um, there's some nice prominences, but if you have an H-alpha telescope, um, this is the time to bust that little thing out, whether it's something small like a Lunt 40, or if you've got some bigger stuff like the 100 millimeters and the day stars and all the really fancy stuff. Um, now is the time to, to bust out uh, those solar filters because the sun is really starting to take off. Even white light filters, you'll get the sunspots, which are nice. But if you've got the narrowband H-alpha filters, that is a very cool uh, thing to see. And speaking of the sun, uh, I wanted to take a minute. I didn't want to do this in the announcements because I thought it would make more sense here. Um, I know for many of you, you probably are tired of hearing about this. But um, the, the soul event that I'm putting on in October, um, this is in partnership with my outreach program, Focus Astronomy, as well as the Astronomy Association of Arizona and the Challenger Space Center. It's a, it's a tag team effort for this to be a thing. Um, I wanted to take a minute because we finally were able to finalize all of our vendors. Um, as of last week, just after the webcast, we were able to pin down everybody. Um, so I just wanted to take a moment and actually let everybody know this is the this is the most up to date what's going on with this event. I know it's been kind of growing, but uh, now that we have everybody down, um, we will be uh, hosting um, Lunt Solar Systems will be there. Skywatcher, not just me, some of our team will actually be there. The Skywatcher team, Los Mondi, Mount Lemon Sky Center, Daystar Solar Filters, uh, Lowell Observatory, Star Arizona, the Astronomy Association of Arizona, Stella, Astro Hutech, and Astro Hutech um, is also representing Player One and the United States Space Force. So it's quite a spread of uh, vendors that will be there. Um, if you've ever wanted to get involved in solar astronomy or just astronomy at all, now is the time to you know, come out and check it out. The whole point of this event is to prep for the 2023 annular and 2024 total eclipse that are visible here in North America. And we wanted to do an event that would let people see a massive spread of solar uh, equipment from basic eclipse glasses up to monster hydrogen alpha narrowband filters and you can basically walk down and see what makes sense for you and how to view the eclipse safely whether you're an educator a student an astronomer maybe you're already well versed and have some equipment of your own Maybe you're thinking about upgrading your equipment and you just don't know what to get. This is the place to come check it out because we will have a fleet of equipment out there for you to basically walk right down the row and see what a double stack looks like in Hydrogen Alpha, what a Daystar filter is like, what a Lunt 40 might be like, a white light filter, what's the difference between film white light, glass, Herschel wedge, calcium filters, you name it, it will be out there on display for you to use. Um, so that will be kind of cool. Um, Astro Hutech was a little bit of a surprise. We're glad to have them there. They are officially representing Player One, which is a very uh, popular up and coming camera company for the solar market. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what's, what's going on. Um, 
EGG, um, United States Space Force. We have a friend who works with the Astronomy Association of Arizona. Her name is Lindsay. Um, uh, I'm sorry, Lindsay. I know you're a, a sergeant, and I, I forgot where you fit in with everything. But uh, Lindsay is one of the recruiters for the U.S. Space Force. Uh, she's been coming out and having some events um, just being there um we've gotten to know her pretty well she's a big part of the outreach community now um she actually joined stella um stella right there for those of you who don't know is um a group dedicated for astrophotography for women so Lindsay was a part of that so she's a big part of the astronomy association of arizona she's a member of stella and she's just a friend of ours at focus as well so by default she will be there representing the U.S. Space Force as well. So very cool person uh, if you want to come out and meet her. But we have a ton of people coming. Um, and then we also have Star Arizona will be joining us because we are doing a star party by popular demand on the evening of Seoul. Um, Focus will have the 28-inch Dobsonian out. Um, Star Arizona will be doing live Hyperstar demos. Los Mondi will be showing off some of their new electronic systems um, and then whoever else wants to stay, as well as members of the Astronomy Association of Arizona and Skywatcher. So we will have, it's basically two events packed into one, but we're glad to have you there. Um, if you want to know more details, I, I don't want to take up the whole webcast just talking about this, but if you want to know more details, just go to focusastro.org slash soul. This is the webpage. All the details about the event, tickets, signups, all that will be there. We are working on door prizes right now, and there's some pretty cool things that will be in there. I will try to rope, uh, rope you guys in when that's all put together, but it's shaping up to be pretty cool. So, But I don't want to take this whole time and suck up everything for just this event. So I just wanted to make that announcement because we finally have all the vendors locked in and just wanted to update everybody on that. So anyway uh that's the sun go out and check it out don't have a solar scope come to Seoul. check it out um now meteor showers there are a couple meteor showers that are technically ramping up in september but they don't peak in september so i don't have anything to really talk about right now there's no major activity i'm sure if you're in a dark sky site you will probably get it uh, the Orionids actually peak in October, but you will probably start to see some of the early ones if you're up in the early morning um, this month, especially as we move towards the end of September, uh, the Orionid meteor shower, and I think the Southern Torrids uh, do technically open the window to start this month, um, but they are more of an October and into November time frame. But if you're out there, that's probably what you might be catching there. But as far as September and what peaks in September, there's um, nothing really nothing really to, to discuss when it comes to meteor showers. Um, comets. Uh, comets are a fun one. They're always changing. Um, I will be honest, I haven't kept up with any comets. I have not observed any comets this month. But if you want to know what comets are doing right now, which ones are good, go to cometchasing.skyhound.com. Um, this is a list of everything that's visible north and southern hemisphere that's in a good position, whether it's a telescopic object or binoculars or whatever it is. Um, this is the website I always recommend if you want to know about what comets are awesome to see. And they also are going to give you some notes about what might be coming up and to pay attention to. So um, right now I know there's no major comet up right now, but there are enough, there are comets that if you wanted to go hunt them down, you could grab them. So like C2017K2 Panstars. Um, it's a little low. Here in the northern hemisphere so uh, this one's probably not great at the moment um, but if you are in the southern hemisphere it's better positioned according to the notes here it's about magnitude 9 down in Scorpio so you could probably get it um, if you're in the southern portion of the United States um, Mexico and then of course as you move down past the equator um, C 2017 k2 is an option that looks to be about the brightest comet right now at magnitude 9. Um, so it's doable. All these are telescopic objects at the moment. Uh, probably a camera or if you want something that's going to be um, 
probably about you could probably get it in like a five inch telescope but you probably want something a bit bigger to really grasp it um, and everything following right now we've got c2 2022 e3 that's 12 and a half magnitude that's up in hercules right now um, and everything after this looks like it gets a bit fainter so nothing major right now but it's still a fun website if you want to go in here mess around see what's visible it's a good way to check out what's going to be interesting uh, moving forward so just kind of some neat stuff there um, but that is cometchasing.skyhound.com if you're looking for what comets to check out this month and that's pretty much it for the internet so uh, let's talk deep sky um, deep sky obviously there's not a major set of there's I could do a whole PowerPoint about deep sky targets but I'm going to try and just keep this to the basic things that are easy to see because I try to assume that even though many of you who are watching and we appreciate those who keep coming back but we also want to make sure the PowerPoint is equipped for people who may have never seen things before so each month I try to approach it as basic as possible with a collection of objects that are challenging but fun at the same time. Um, so one right now is NGC 7000, the North American Nebula. This is up in Cygnus, about 2200 light years away. You really need dark skies for this if you're gonna be doing this visually. Um, I probably rec, you can actually do it in small telescopes like a four inch telescope um, or bigger. Um, and if you have larger telescopes you obviously won't be able to see the entire nebula because it spans over three degrees of the night sky but it you can get brighter chunks of it um, this is actually an amazing object in night vision which we will be talking about this month we're doing a whole episode on night vision astronomy which is going to be pretty neat um, if you're not familiar with that type of work um, we're going to talk about that um, if you are going after this visually in a dark sky site, I'd probably recommend like a four inch telescope or bigger. Um, and I would recommend a UHC or ultra high contrast or O3 filters uh, to really help it pop. Um, so you can go ahead and give that a go and good luck with it. The bigger telescopes, it's easier to see. Imaging, it's a fantastic object to do in town because it is an emission nebula, which means it works very well with narrow band filters. So if you're doing wide field imaging and you have narrow band like an H alpha, or maybe you have one of these multi bands like an L enhance or the Antlia dual band, there's all kinds of these multi band narrow bands out now, but um, it's an easy object that you can actually uh, do in the uh in town um it's not a difficult one it does very well with narrow band filters but it's also um a nice target to go after um invisible light or one shot color if you've got darker skies so uh that is the north american nebula and it is a huge chunk of sky up there so you really want something wide field if you're trying to get all of it uh, next one is M16. This is up in Serpens, um, about 7,000 light years away from the Earth. This is a challenging target to do visually. Um, you can see the nebulosity in a variety of telescopes. You probably see the star cluster that sits in the nebula a little bit more. But to see the actual Eagle Nebula, like the pillars themselves, is a bit of a challenge to do it's a very easy thing to do photographically especially if you're using narrow band like H alpha filters but visually it is very difficult to see the north that uh, Eagle Nebula structure in there um, unless you have some serious aperture and um, this is a fantastic target actually night with night vision um, again a mission but we're going to talk about that later this month um, in town again it's an emission nebula so narrow band filters maybe you want to do Hubble palette shots like you see here um, dark skies certainly help if you're just trying to take a color camera and go to town with it um, but it is a good object to go after very dynamic in the Hubble palette um, with the HA03S2 filters if you don't have an S2 filter don't worry about it you can get away with a bicolor image with H alpha and O3 so that's it's a fantastic object to go after right now a very good target to go after that's easy for so many people you can do it in like a four or five inch telescope and it looks good it looks just like it does in a picture 
is M57, the Ring Nebula, in Lyra, the heart, about 2,500 light years away. Um, this can be done from in town. We were at an event last night. We were doing it in multiple telescopes, about an 8-inch scope or bigger. Really does a nice job. If you really want it to pop out, especially if you're in town, I'd recommend like an Oxygen 3 filter. And uh, imaging, imaging the Ring Nebula or any planetary nebula like this is actually kind of tough because of how small they are and dense. Um, you can actually overexpose these targets very, very quickly. So they don't need a massive amount of long exposure work. However, the Ring Nebula does have a really nice outer hydrogen halo, which I have yet to get. Um, you need an H-alpha filter to do it, but there is an outer halo of the ring um, that's very cool, but it does require those narrowband filters. But if you just want to get the ring and get some color on it, short exposures, a one-shot color camera does a very nice job. Uh, longer focal length or higher resolution because it's tiny, um, but it is a fun one to, to go after. It's very easy to do visually. Um, if you really want a challenge visually, the challenge is actually to see the central star of the Ring Nebula, which is about magnitude 15. So you're talking about 16 to 20 inch or larger telescope to bring it out uh, visually. But if you're just doing uh, imaging it, you know, it's like a minute and you can hit it. So, um, but it's a fun target, but they are a little bit uh, difficult because you can overexpose uh, planetary nebulas very quickly. So, but that's M57, the ring. It's a fantastic object for a multitude of telescopes. Really any aperture for the most part, it does um, a really nice job to bring it out. Oh yeah, there is a little spiral galaxy near M57. Um, I don't remember what it's called, but... I will sit here and make a couple like random noises as I figure out what that is because it's going to drive me nuts if I don't find out too. And let's see, because we have the technology to do so, I should mention that. That is IC1296 is the small spiral galaxy um, right up to the left of M57, about 260 million light years away um, from Earth. So, but yeah. You cameras will pick that up, maybe a really big telescope under dark skies. Um, but the ring is very easy to do. So, um, M13, the Hercules star cluster, it's kind of just a given um, this time of year. This is probably the most recommended uh, globular cluster, I would say, right now um, to go after. It's still nice and high this time of year after sunset. It looks good literally in any telescope. Um, it's a very easy object to to actually photograph. Globular clusters are very, very forgiving. In um, yeah, they're just really forgiving for just about anything. You don't need light pollution filters because it is a stellar object. It's it's not a non-stellar object like a galaxy or a nebula. Um, they're not affected by light pollution all that much. Imaging wise, it works very well. Uh, this was taken in my backyard with a 14 hyperstar just to test it, and it it's killer. Um, dark skies work really well, of course, but um, it's a great object to do in town. It's naked eye visible in dark skies. Looks good in binoculars. Looks good in a 10-inch. Looks good in a 30-inch. Looks good in just about anything you want to put on it. It's a fantastic object. About a million stars, 25,000 light years away, and 175 light years in diameter. Um, and works good in town and dark skies, both for imaging and visual. And then, of course, it does have its little companion galaxy, which isn't actually a, have anything to do with it. But uh, 50 million light years right down here, you have NGC 6207, which is the small little spiral galaxy that sits in the field of uh, M13. So if you're in darker skies, you should probably be able to pull that one out. Um, and that, again, is NGC 6207. It's about 11 and a half magnitude for that galaxy. So you're probably looking 10 or 12-inch telescope. We'll, we'll pull that down in a dark sky site. Obviously, larger instruments will be able to, to get that as well. But that's uh, M13. Um, works well. Uh, OSCE, uh, what focal length for M13? Really, anything works. I've seen it at 400 millimeters. I've seen it at 3,000 millimeters. It's... 
really anything works with it and imaging wise it's just how you want to frame it so uh the image here that was a c14 hyperstar which means it was like 715 millimeters i think is what a c14 hyperstar is but it's such a forgiving target really anything works so just go for it but it's a fantastic globular it's easy it's high right now it doesn't take much to get a good shot or a good view of it but darker skies obviously make everything better uh, next up is M8, the Lagoon Nebula. This is in Sagittarius, about 4,100 light years away. Um, it is doable in town. Um, you would probably be best with an O3 or a UHC filter if you're trying to do it visually. Um, slightly darker skies will make a big difference. Um, and then really dark skies makes a massive difference. It looks good in binoculars. It looks good in just about anything. It's kind of like the M42 of the summer sky. Nowhere near what M42 is in the wintertime, but it's about the brightest and easiest nebula you can get um, in the summer skies, and that's M8, the lagoon. Um, Imaging-wise, it's easy. Um, it is an emission nebula, so that means narrowband filters work really good. Um, light pollution filters can do very nicely. Um, one shot color, narrow band, monochrome, whatever you want to do. It's a very forgiving nebula because of how bright and easy it is. Um, but that's M8, the lagoon. It's a, just a, it's a very nice target to go after right now. Um, if you're looking for a nice, bright, easy nebula. Um, but right next door to it is a little bit more difficult nebula called M20, the Trifid. This is in Sagittarius, about 5,200 light years away from the earth. This is a lot harder to do. Um, it's very difficult in town. Um, it's one of my favorite nebulas because of the structure, but it is better in dark skies and you can see it in an eight to 10 inch telescope. But if you really want to dig the structure out of it, you really want to go as large as possible, um, with aperture, uh, in town, uh, for imaging, imaging, it's it's easy. Um, it, it's, it's an emission nebula. It does have the reflection nebula attached to it. That's the blue portion is the reflection nebula. The pink portion is the emission. And then all the little black portions in there are dark nebulas. So you're actually getting three types of nebulas in one target. Um, but it sits right off the Lagoon Nebula. Um, it looks really nice in like an 18-inch or larger daub um, in a dark sky. Um it just gives you the aperture to pop that out but um it's a fantastic imaging target and if you're doing imaging and you want to get real fancy um make a mosaic of the two or shoot them both at the same time uh ernie will narrowband pick up the reflection nebula in m20 no reflection nebulas are just reflection nebulas so um it's just reflected starlight. So narrowband filters actually will filter the majority of that out. Um, so there's not really a good filter that will pop that out. You might be able to get something that has a broader band pass, like an L enhance filter that lets some of the blue through, but really the narrowband will primarily bring out the emission portion, but it, it probably will filter out most of the reflection hopefully that helps um next up we have m27 the dumbbell this is a great planetary nebula it's a lot larger than the ring nebula um it's a fun one to image because it's so much bigger um about 9800 light years away in volpeca so not far from the edge of cygnus like up towards the tip of the swan where alberio is so it's, it's very high in the sky right now um it's easy in town Almost any aperture will make it work. Um, obviously, bigger scopes help. Um, if you want to help pop it out, a UHC or O3 filter are kind of a must to have. Um, in town, imaging-wise, it does good with one-shot color. And maybe you're just using a light pollution filter. It works really well. Um, dark skies are a major help. And it's an excellent narrowband target. Um, in a bicolor image uh, if you're doing ha or o3 and mixing them it does a very nice job um, as well so uh, but that's the dumbbell nebula it's a real fun one right now it's a larger planetary nebula 
um, and it's easy to get right now because it sits so nice and high in the sky up in Volpeca. Um, so that's a fun one to do. Okay, my personal favorite, the Veil Nebula. Uh, in Cygnus the Swan, again, it's about 9,000. Might be a little off. I think the distance might be wrong on that. But anyway, uh, the Veil Nebula is a massive complex. It's a supernova remnant in the constellation of Cygnus. It spans over three degrees of the sky. Um, you really have to break this thing up into portions if you're trying to observe it. Um, it looks good in like an 8-inch or larger telescope. It looks really good in big telescopes, like a 20-inch or bigger. It looks like a picture. Um, it really requires dark skies or even moderately dark skies uh, to start to really take advantage of it. And if you want to take the faint nebulas inside of it, like Pickering's Triangle and some of the other faint things that are in there, um, you want to get to those darker skies and have some aperture. But... If you're doing this visually, you really want like an O3 or a UHC. Those are your primary two filters that you're going to end up using for visual work for the most part. You probably see that I recommend them the most. But yeah, if you have, if you're doing visual and you're looking for some filters to add, um, O3 or UHC, or really I would ideally say both um, in your case, because the O3 filter is a narrow band filter so it isolates just the oxygen wavelengths and then the UHC is a broadband filter which really does isolate certain wavelengths but it lets in more light across the spectrum than an O3 does and we actually have a whole episode on visual filters from a couple years ago that we did on the webcast that really dives into what an O3 and a UHC do as well as other filters for visual work you can go check all that out as well uh, James, NGC 104 is a good globular cluster in the south. I have to take a look at that. So um, imaging-wise, you can do it in town. It works really good as a bicolor. So if you're doing H-alpha 03, maybe you're doing a one-shot color with the multiband filters. It works very well. It's a very forgiving object to shoot. Um, there's a lot of stars in this region, but it's it's a very nice object to shoot, but it also takes up a big chunk of the sky. So you either need a massive wide field telescope um, or you're gonna be shooting it in pieces and making like a mosaic, um, like what I did here. This is a mosaic um, of a much larger mosaic that I've actually done of the veil, but um, it's a nice target to go after. There's a lot of very fine, intricate details um, in the Veil Nebula, but it's a fun one to go after. Um, and I highly recommend it if you're going to be in dark skies. Um, it's still very high in the sky, so it's a good one to go after right now um, if you're looking for something to hunt down and do right now. Finally, we have M31, the Andromeda Galaxy. It is uh, We are making our way into autumn, and Andromeda is rising in the east, uh, 2.5 million light years away from the Earth, um, the closest spiral galaxy to our own. Uh, all kinds of details. This looks good um, in binoculars all the way up to large telescopes. It's a very dynamic object um, and really just takes on different characteristics depending on the optics that are being done and then the skies that you're observing under. So even in town, you can see the bright core of Andromeda, but if you get out to a dark sky site, you can see the dust lanes and the companion M32 and M110 galaxies. And if you really know what you're going after, you can even find some of the brighter globular clusters inside of Andromeda, which is a very, very cool challenge uh, to do. But it does take a little bit of effort, or you can basically just use a go-to system if you really want to um, but about an 8 to 10 inch telescope can start pulling in the brighter globulars of Andromeda but you will need high power and ex know exactly where you're looking um, but G1 or Mayall 2 it's the same target G1 slash Mayall 2 is the brightest globular in Andromeda that's doable in about a 10 to an 11 inch telescope and it's a fun one to actually go after impress your friends with it at a star party it doesn't take much it looks like a very tiny version of m13 um situated between two bright stars but it's a cool target to go after if you want something off the beaten path um, you can image this in town uh, galaxies are fairly forgiving there's no major filter that can help you out with it other than like a light pollution filter um, but go ahead and give it a go 
Dark Skies, obviously. I don't even know why I have to even say it, but Dark Skies um, is really where it's at. And then, of course, if you're imaging, um, there's a lot of nice star-forming regions in M31. If you're using a narrowband filter, uh, don't be afraid to shoot M31 with some H-alpha because um, there's some very nice uh, star-forming regions in the galaxy that will pop out with an H-alpha filter. And if you're shooting really wide, there's uh, some H-alpha clouds that actually sit within the region of M31. They're part of the Milky Way, actually. So there are foreground nebulas in front of M31, though they just happen to be framing um, M31 in that spot. So there's some really cool things if you're going out there trying to do um, some H-alpha work in Andromeda. So anyway, there's some stuff uh, there. Those are the... Uh, recommendations uh for targets and then just to break it down real quick um let's get into target of the month and break them down by segment so for nightscapes again it's still milky way season um get out to the dark sky sites you know you can start shooting the milky way as a pillar right after sunset where it's literally just straight up um you can do the milky way pillar shot um but yeah nightscapes it's it's all about the milky way right now um, that probably will be until late October um, at this point. But Milky Way is still a very viable uh, thing for nightscapes. Uh, binoculars, if you want a binocular target, uh, Andromeda. Um, one of the best, most unique views I've seen of Andromeda was from a darker location. Um, and basically using binoculars to look at Andromeda, like 50 to 70 millimeters, um, You'd be amazed how big Andromeda is in the sky when you have a pair of binoculars in a dark sky. It really just shows you the extension of the, the galaxy there. But it's a great binocular object if you're in good enough skies to do it. Uh, telescopes. Um, one we didn't even touch on today. M15. Um, M15 is a globular up in the front portion of Pegasus. Um, that's a fun one to go after right now. It sits nice and high, but a lot of times it is overtaken by M13, which is in the opposite part of the sky. Um, but M15 is rising nice and high. If you're in dark skies and you've got some of these modern cameras, you will be able to catch this integrated flux nebula, which you see right here. Um, this gray nebula that is actually sitting up there as well. Um, I was really surprised to see it when we shot this, but... That is M15, um, which is at the beginning, up at the top portion of Pegasus. And make sure you see if you can pull out some of this faint uh, nebulosity that's in the region. Cool. So those are just some of my recommendations for the month. So now we need to get down to business. Totem. Um, for those of you who are just joining us, Totem, or Target of the Month, is a new thing we just started doing last month. And this is for imaging um, only, uh, unfortunately. That's what we had to do. So um, the Totem thing, we will uh, basically uh, send you one of these. These are the Totem patches. Um, some of you may have already received yours for your August submission. Um, I do have a handful of these getting ready to go out um, here soon. Um, but these are the 2022 totem patches. Um, here, let me see if I can do this without screwing anything up. So there we go. Um, this is the 2022 Skywatcher totem patch. Um, for the target of the month there it is um, these have adhesive on the back so you can stick them stick them on or you can sew them on or whatever we wanted to do something that wasn't just a sticker or a shirt something special um, there will be a new version of this for 2023 so um, these these will be limited to the year and we'll change them every year but this is the inaugural one so we have the totem patches here some of you probably have received yours already so, um, but that's the, that's the totem patch um, that you will be getting. Some of you, I, I'm getting ready to ship yours out. So if you don't see it yet, don't worry, we're, we're getting them. Um, but for those of you who do the totem project, um, here are the rules of totem. Um, 
it is imaging only unfortunately because we need to know that you actually did it um, you just saying oh I saw it that's there's just no way to document that and we don't want to be just shipping patches out to everybody and you know not have documentation of it um, so it's imaging only you must provide an image by the end of the month so August is now closed um, you email your submission to info at skywatchusa.com and you need to provide the name of the your name equipment image specifications mailing address um, US and Canada only currently if you're in Canada because of shipping and everything we do need let me make myself more focused there we go um, if you are in Canada you need to give us your phone number as well um, there's a couple of you I need to email to get that from you but to ship into Canada we need your address email and your phone number that's just how it works um, so there's all that um, we really want a nice processed image but in order for us to know that you actually shot it in the month we also want a raw fit file because we do check that you shot it during the window so um, that was something that was brought up and so yeah moving into it the new addition to the rules is you have to provide a fit file um, that we can actually confirm that it was shot within the month that the event that it was taking place so uh, that being said let me just transition um, I'm sorry you were looking at me um, here's the rules for totem right here I should have shown you the slide um, again, name, equipment, image specifications, mailing address, U.S. and Canada only. Uh, we do need a phone number, um, uh, and we do need a raw fit file that comes with your stacked um, image, just so we know it's legitimate. So anyway, um, here's some of the. Uh, here was the totem target for August. It was the soap bubble nebula up in um, Cygnus, right next to the Crescent Nebula. Um, we had some really impressive stuff come in. So here's just, uh, these are as many of them as I could get um, right now. So um, some really nice um, submissions from you guys. Uh, thank you all for wanting to be a part of it. Um, it's a lot of work for a patch, but we're glad that you wanted to be a part of it. But some really beautiful work um, from a lot of you. Um, really unique framing, um, but you did an amazing job um, it doesn't need to be shot with skywatcher equipment and um, I'm gonna try to put the equipment in at least what telescope um, next month um, I'll try to get that in but many of you did a very nice uh, um, thing we do check that the target was in there um, but thank you all for being a part of the first time we've done the totem patches um, again, some of you have already received your patches. Um, others, you will get it um, here shortly. We'll get it all together for you and ship it on out. Um, but thanks for being a part of it. Um, but some really nice work by everybody. This was not an easy target. And that's the whole point of this is it's an imaging challenge. And there's a lot of things that are easy with a camera. We want, you, we want it doable where even I try to make it to where it's not just something you have to go to dark skies to do but it's still a challenge um, to do it so that being said those are the August submissions so thanks for everyone who who went into that um, and now for September uh, totem target um, so September is going to be M27 and I'm sure a lot of you are like that is not a challenge to get M27 M27 is a walk in the park however the challenge is not to shoot the dumbbell nebula the challenge is to get the wings of the dumbbell nebula the wings are these guys out here this has to be done with O3 filters um, these are O3 wings um, so that is the challenge for uh, September 2022 is to shoot M27 but it has to have the oxygen 3 wings of the nebula in the image um, so this was taken from our remote observatory this is what I'm gonna do every month I'm gonna shoot the target it's just gonna be monochrome um, and 
you can send us an you your picture can be whatever you, it needs to be but this one uh, i'm just going to show you the structures or what target we're looking for um so um m27 up in volpeca but it has to have the wings in the shot so that is the challenge of the month uh good luck with you you have all month to do it and uh if you're going to submit that just submit that to skywatcher info uh, info at skywatchusa.com make sure you have all the information we need in there um, i think we even put this on the website so if you need to know more about it i think jared did it yeah so you go to skywatchusa.com go to media and target of the month um, here's all the rules all the information um ta-da so but um yeah that's that's how it works so there's all the rules all the information and we'll get this updated with the latest target um but there you go uh so anyway that's it for today's episode thank you very much for being a part of it thanks for everyone who was a part of the first part of totem um that's it for september night skies you can join us next friday 10 a.m pacific uh, we're going to be going over our new virtuoso gti telescopes these are go-to tabletop dobs they're five inch and six inch apertures um they're actually quite nice um so we're going to go into detail about that whole series and um we'll talk about those two telescopes next week um I hope you guys can uh, have a good weekend. It's a three-day weekend here in the States, so please be safe. Get out there, do some stuff. We look forward to see what your totem submissions are going to be for the month, and we will see you guys next week. So thanks very much for hanging out with us on your Friday morning, and we will see you guys next Friday. So take care, everyone, and have a great weekend. Clear skies. Bye.